Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the first proper rest day recap. The transition day from Denmark or travel day didn't count. We will recap all the uh, the GC standings and all the jersey competitions, preview the second week to come, the uh, six stages, I think it is, or five stages, as well as talking about Haswell Van Aert already won green. What can Jumbo Visma do to dethrone Pagacha or Ineos, rather, as well as doing a, a wrap-up of the Giro Donna, which concluded yesterday. But thanks, as always, to Zwift for supporting the podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at lantern rouge cp because on out the wednesday we will be doing an lrcp zwift club ride and the point of the club's functionality in zwift is it's much more like spontaneous you join the club and you can if we just want to go for a ride you can join it's not like events signing up to those so follow us on twitter We'll have information there probably that morning or the evening before. We'll have an outdoors ride, which might be at a friendly time for our friends in Oceania, Americans and Canadians. I'm afraid it might not be. But Tour de France fam is coming. Stage 21 is when it kicks off for the men's race. It's beforehand. It's actually at a really good time because the men's race finishes ridiculously late. If you want to catch the women's race, you will be able to. It kicking off, it should be a barnstorming sprint between Elisa Balsamo, whether Charlotte Cool is leading out Lorena Vibas. We'll discuss that in the Giro Donna recap as well. So make sure you pin it in your diaries. Tour de France firm Avex Swift kicks off on the 24th of July. But Benji, all results, I should do the full Michael Rasmussen press conference um, impression. <laughs> I have taken 14 tests in, in competition, out of competition, and all results are negative. Um, Call the COVID tests are negative, miraculously. Um, I don't know if the quick step ones were out of date or... but like yeah i mean that's good it is good that i guess they're all negative yeah i think uh i'm happy that they're negative i'm happy that we don't have too many riders dropping out of the race and uh i won't go too much into that because uh, we've got loads of stuff to discuss today in regards to gc in regards to the points classification what we see in that second week and uh where will we start will we start with gc yeah, let's start there, the natural place. Pagacha goes into this rest day 39 seconds ahead of Jonas, 117 ahead of Thomas, 125 ahead of Yates. Martinez fell out of GC yesterday. Go do 138, Barde 139. Pidcock 146. That's unbelievable. I, if you told me he'd be there on the first rest day, it's unbelievably good first week from him. Mars 150, Paulus 155. Quintana 213, Roglic 252, Vlasov 312, 
And that's all the serious GC yeah. guys, really. I think Bob Jungles can top 10 GC. He's on 553, but he'll have to, to sort of backdoor it. Um, but Pagacha, 39 seconds, Benji. It looked like he wanted more based on yesterday, but still a pretty, pretty solid lead. 40 seconds is a lot. Yeah, 40 seconds is a lot, but... It's weird compared to last year, you know. Last year we already had two Alp stages, or what I think it was Alp stages in the last two stages with Tinia and the day before with Colorom Colombier on stage eight and nine, and therefore we had bigger differences in GC. We had five minutes thirty-two between Pogacar and Jonas Vingor. Yeah, Jonas grew a lot in the last year. He's looking like he's in the best form of his life at the moment. But I personally believe that I expected with the parkour we had in this first week. For Jonas to lose more time, because I didn't think the cobbles fit Jonas as good as a Pogacar. I thought the only weakness Pogacar had on a cobble stage was that his team would not be able to help him that much if he had a puncture or something, and that did not happen. So, am I wrong in saying that I would have expected Jonas to be on more than 39 seconds by now? I think Jonas, despite having the freak out with the drop chain, like he was getting dropped in every cobbled sector. <laughs> like Roglic was doing <laughs> fine. Jonas was yeah. really struggling. Um, and he just, he lucked out. And I think 13 seconds down, he got to thank his lucky stars. Uh, it was Roglic that drew the short end of the, stro- uh, the stick there. So, yeah, I agree. Sub one minute in the game. Like people are like, oh, the Tour de France is over, Tour de France is over. Well, I know Poggy... He definitely took the last TT very easy last year. You can't convince yeah. me otherwise. But conversely, I don't think he was like, I'm going to just let Jonas go up the road on Von 2 either. Uh, Jonas was, I don't think Pagacha really gained any time on him or too much in that uh, second and third week after the first rest day, maybe with bonuses. So it's lost close. Time. It's, yeah, lost 12 time. seconds. But like you said, that final time trial... Pogacar did take a slower yeah, in our head. So I call it, I I call think, it a wash. Yeah, agreed. Fully agreed. And that, he was like 5.50 back, so the Tour of France not over. It's on. Uh, and I guess the the easy thing, or the, the thing I want to discuss is, and I'll just preview the profiles to come, stage 10 tomorrow is a soft finish to Mijev. 20K is 4%. Now, the first 7Ks is 5.2%. There's like little descents in there. If you asked us before the race, we'd say this is an absolutely nailed on breakaway stage. I still think it should be, uh, but maybe Poggy wants bonus. The next day is the Col de Grenon stage, one of the hardest stages we've had in the Tour for years, 150Ks. We have the hard side, at least I think, of Galibier with Telegraph as, uh, Ascent, 12K, 7% five-kilometre descent that'll take them about, so three, four minutes rest, and then 18Ks at 6.8% to the Henri de Grange, 2,630 metres altitude, long descent, Col de Grenon, 11.4Ks, 9.1%, about a 35 to 40-minute climb to 2,400 metres, very, very difficult. Next day, Alpe d'Huez, 165Ks, easier or flasher side of Galibier, they start from 1,300, so 18.4k 6% step descent and the Col de la Croix de Fer step step descent 30k is at 5% but it's the actual climbing is generally steeper than that step descent valley then up to as 14k 8% next day to Saint-Étienne is a medium mountain to me transition breakaway day 
Then there's Mendy stage 14, which is, again, medium mountain all day. That shouldn't be a problem for the GC guys. But then a 3K 10.5% finish, but with a short descent at the end. And then on stage 15, it's the Carcassonne again hilly stage that nah. also wapping up and win 200Ks. It's, yeah, it's just got like 10K, 4% climbs in it. So how do you think, what do you think UAE are discussing today, Benji? I think, first of all, when you look at this second week, or at least stage 10 until like 17-ish, we notice that there's key stage in there for GC. And I'm not talking about that Carcassonne stage. I'm not even talking about the Megev stage, for example, which is stage 10. I'm talking about stage 11 and stage 12. I think those are the most important stages in week 2 for GC. And we've said it before the Tour de France, that these are the most important stages, in my opinion, for the entire Tour de France. Because we're going to high altitude, we've got very long climbing experiences of like 40 plus minutes, and that Galibier climb and so forth, the Col de Granon, those are, those are harder climbs than, for example, a Peragud, which lands in the Pyrenees in in week three, for example. So first of all, these two stages are the key to me when it comes to either defending your yellow jersey or attacking a yellow jersey. And when it comes to Pogacar and UAE, I think they've seen in the first week that their team is not the strongest in the race. They've been able to manage fairly okay. And we've seen, especially on the previous stage, stage nine to uh, Châtelet-Port du Soleil, that they spent so much energy controlling breakaways and to the point where they're actively trying to look for bonus seconds at the end which to me meant that they were somewhat desperate to try and gain time by either getting bonus seconds at the finish line or getting more time with that final kick to the line by Pogacar which I understand that he does if he's in that situation but um looking at the coming stages I fear that his team might not be strong enough on a Galibier or a Granon compared to Jumbo Visma, who was sitting in that same group on stage nine with six riders left. Tish Benoit was still there. Like, I don't think Benoit is going to be the strongest climber in Jumbo Visma on this mountain stage. I think Sepkaz is going to grow better. I think Steven Kreisberg will be better. Like, Jumbo Visma on paper has the strongest team for those stages. And I think Yoi will be thinking about how can we be attacked on those stages? And what can we do about those attacks by Jumbo Visma? But I'll throw it down to you now. How do you think Jumbo Visma can damage Yui and Pogacar on stage 11 and 12? Uh, stage 11, right now, I think Giannis is the better climber, the best climber in the race. I think just obscene level. And I think you just sky train all day stage 11 like Ineos did on Vaughn 2 stage last year. It'll be hot conditions, very hot next week. Set a, set a steady, firm pace. You can probably drop everyone but Micah and maybe not Bennett with, well, last, I think, 8Ks of the Galibier Ascent are like 8% up to 2,600 meters. I would put Kreisfike to pool and maybe you drop every UA domestique. If you have Benote or Wout in the Valley, you can then keep pushing even though you have Poggy in the group, that'll make it just more annoying for him to get food, for him to get water. If he has no one else in the group, you keep his domestiques behind. And then you just set six watts per kilo at the base of Grenoble for as long as possible with Koos, Kreuzweig, and Roglic. 
and you launch Jonas and he will drop Pogacar and he will take between 40 seconds to a minute, I think, uh, on Pogacar on Grenoble. So that's what I think will happen, but yeah, maybe it won't. What are we basing this on, for example? Because we're saying that Jonas is the strongest climber in the race right now. Are we basing that on the history that Pogacar has shown weakness on 40 plus minute climbs? Or is it because we're getting projections of like 35 degrees next week? in the Tour de France, or is it a combination of both, or do you just think that Jonas in general is a better climber right now? Um, I think it's a lot of things, like Pagatcha's eight kilos, eight, seven to eight kilos heavier. Um, it's going to be hot conditions. It's a longer climb. But then on Prasitativo, that's a 35-minute climb, Pagatcha one, but what people don't realise is that if that was 9%, Simon Yates wins that stage because he's lighter. He actually did probably more watts per kilo than Pagacha on that climb, but because Pagacha's heavier, he goes faster. You know, riders don't all do the same watts per kilo on a climb. That's why there's Etalon calculations. Uh, I think Yumbo have the team to do it. I think Von Tu was real. And I think Jonas just has more watts per kilo, like Solaison, I think he held back. On Planche de Belfi, it was asymmetrically paced and he was still there. I think I think he's going to do like a, a historical performance on Grenoble. Um, and, it, and if I'm wrong, Benji, so that, the answer then is that's all speculation. That's what I think will happen. That's how I think they should play it. I don't think you should be trying any Roglic hero stuff on Galibier on stage 11. I think it's unnecessary when the gap is this tight and when you should be at least confident that it's possible Jonas can drop Pogacar. If he doesn't on Grenoble, if he gets dropped, well, then you can't do the same strategy on the out the way stage, can you? Yeah. Like, then you have to try something else. And and what else could they try on that stage? Because for Pogacar on stage 11, very simple. Try not to let Wout or Benoit in the break at the start for UAE. Pog follows. Mm. That's very simple. But stage, what could Jumbo do on stage 12, say it all backfires on stage 11, is the parkour even allow a raid? I think it does still allow a raid, although it's, in my opinion, less efficient than on the stage before to Col du Canon. So in an ideal world, you would be able to test that training strategy on Alpe d'Huez before you get to the stage of Granon afterwards, but it's the other way around in this Tour de France, so we can't do that. So let's say, like in your scenario, that We've got a Yumbo train on stage 11 and Pogacar is able to follow that like he did in 2020, for example, and just sit on and eventually sprint to the line against Jonas and perhaps even gain seconds that way. That's the worst case scenario, I think, for Yumbo. Well, to be honest, the worst case scenario is Pogacar dropping everybody on that climb as well. But um, if you look at stage 12, then I think a raid is what you need to try. Then I think Roglic is now behind in GC. He's the rider to do that. But the question is, what if your train strategy on stage 11 has increased the gap between Pogacar and Roglic so that Pogacar does not need to respond to Roglic as quickly on stage 12? Does that become an issue? Because now he's on two minutes, roughly, a bit more than two minutes. If he attacks now Roglic from a group, Pogacar will still need to respond or UAE will still need to respond because they're under pressure by that. But let's say he's then on four minutes because of the stage before. That's an issue, eh? Yeah, it depends upon what he's on. Depends how early he attacks. If he attacks on, say, the tries to slip into the break formation on the Galibier, I think UAE still have to pace that. Obviously, Pagacha himself yeah. won't have to. 
I think Soler is going to be pretty important this week. Can Soler pace like the last part of Cruddle Affair and keep Micah McNulty and Bennett in reserve for Alpduez um, and the Valley before that? So Soler is really, really key uh, this week. If I was Yumbo, I would, like, for example, on the Cradle Affair, the first 55 k is 9.1%, so you can put him in difficulty uh, there. But, yeah, I think my default is that Jonas will take a uh, good time on Pogaccia. And I also think Roglic should be in good shape on Grenon. I think Porsche de Belfi, crazy performance. He's a bit lighter than Pogaccia. Now he's obviously a bit banged up and hurt, so... It's a brutal stage. Maybe that will cost him. I think, like, apart from the injuries, I think his physicals, like his actual fitness is still, it has mm-hmm. to be really, really yeah. good. He dropped every other GC guy. Um, but going back to the the most boring stage of them all on paper, mate, <laughs> the Majev stage, I think there's a good chance Bogatcha puts his team to pace tomorrow and he wants the stage and 10 bonus. It would make sense to me. Like, why pace yesterday and then not pace the Majeure stage? If he goes to, if, if the break doesn't win, he's the heavy favorite to win from the group. That's, that's a good point. And how can Yumbo counter that? Well, I'd be looking at potentially two strategies to counter that. I think the number one strategy would be that Wout Fanar just tries to hold on and hopes that he can out sprint Pogacar and Mejev. Is it possible to do that? Will Yoi pace too hard for Wout van Aert to be able to do that? Yep. I don't think so. Yeah? yeah. Will they? Pogaccio will be well on that finish. Well, it's okay. not climbing as well. And do you see another scenario where Wout can play a role in, just like in stage nine when Wout van Aert was in the breakaway in the valley, he kept that breakaway ahead together with Castro Viejo to make sure, or at least that's what we inferred from it, to make sure that the bonus seconds went to the breakaway. Is there a way where Wout Fanat can force a breakaway to win this stage if Yoi is still controlling in some shape or form? I mean, then do they chase it harder if he's in there? Probably not. So yeah, I guess he could do that. Maybe Benoit's a better option, but you probably, what I would do is just ensure that a big, big breakaway goes, first of all, because there's long valleys here. I would be like, if two riders go up the road, and it looks like it's starting to get blocked up, Yumbo Visma should chase that and then make sure the break formation goes again. They can't let two, three riders go up the road at the start of the stage because then mm-hmm. UAE can put Bjerg on the front and they can mow that down easily and there will be Pogaccia bonus again. So you, you have to ensure a big break goes. Um, easier said than done, but I think that's the key at the start of the stage. Because, yeah. Don't be surprised if Pagacha puts his UAE team to pace again tomorrow for the bonus. Um, Alpdewez stage should be an absolute cracker on uh, the 14th of July. Who knows however, that'll be at the back end of two very, very difficult days. I uh, The stage afterwards, again, like these look like nailed on transition breakaway stages, but does Pagacha want bonus seconds? I don't know. Mendy, again, I think will be a break, but there might be GC action on the farm. I think Jonas and Paul will be close. And then I think the key Benji is uh, Wout van Aert green jersey is done, finished. Mm -hmm. He's won it. He's won two stages. That green is is 100% done. 
it's over. He just needs to not crash. Yumbo cannot be pacing like that Carcassonne stage for for Wout. Like that has to be breakaway. Or he can go on the break. I don't care. Whatever. But they cannot be pacing that for the win, right? Agreed. This is the point in the race where the green jersey battle is now at 284 points if my mind serves me right. That means that he's so close to securing it completely. Well, like, we consider it secured because no, we know has. that if he's it's, in the race... It's impossible for Jakobsen to score enough as long as he doesn't forget that intermediate sprints exist. Wow. Okay. It's impossible. Is there... Okay. Okay. I believe you. I trust you. I trust it's you, maths. Patrick. He's 130, <laughs> 40 points ahead. It's impossible. There's one sprint stage left or two. Say Jakobsen <laughs> takes 100 points on Champs-Élysées in stage 19 and Wout takes zero at the finish, which is very unlikely. That's still not enough with the intermediates. Yeah. Okay. If we consider, like you say, the green jersey to be secured, because it is secured, according to Patrick, and I believe you, then... Um, I agree that they should not be spending any other riders except for Wout to help him with any of those points anymore. Like, they don't really need to spend uh, not on Van Hooydonk anymore for that. Like, Wout doesn't need to be in the breakaway every single day anymore to secure green jersey points. There's more stages where he can now play a role for GC. And I think that's going to be essential to try and beat Pogacar as well. And, yeah, my take is simple. He should be chained in more than, uh, yeah. 90% of the stages from this point onwards. Yeah, I think so. Particularly, like, this is going to be a very, very important week for the race. And, yeah, he's done a really good job building that green buffer, trying to be 100% domestique, uh, I think. Uh, in terms of KUM, Geshka's leading it by one point. Pino's on 14. But if you read Raul's article on lanchonrouge.com.au, you'd know that huge points available on stages 11 and 12. Those HC climbs provide, I think, 20 points maximum or 40 points. Can't remember, maybe 20. Um, so, like, for example, Geshka's on 19. Whoever summits first, Galibier, yeah. if Geshka takes zero, will automatically go into the KOM jersey. Yeah. Uh, so, big fight for that. Whether Pino goes for it, I hope so, because he looks, it looks like Bardet is going for GC. So. Why not go for it? Do you think Pino will go for it, Benji, or will he do the Wout Poles, Mike Woods, half KOM, half stages of last year where you get neither? I think half KOM, half stages, but I don't think we can compare it to last year because on paper, if Pogacar did not get double points at every finish line, then Wout Poles would have likely won it last year. So if Pino sure, goes would've. for KOM and stages here, then I believe he will win a stage. Personally, sure. I believe that it's possible for him to win a stage. And we got to keep in mind that compared to last year, the final mountain on these stages don't give double points anymore. Last year, that was the case and was the reason that Pogacar also took the Polkadot jersey. So Pogacar will very likely not win KOM this year, which allows it to be more likely that it's going to be the likes of Pino and so forth. And I believe in Pino for it. I, um, it would not surprise me if Pierre Latour is intrigued as well, but I think Pino's better at the moment. Yeah. And looking at the riders that went for it so far, will Bora start hunting for random nah, stuff? Now stage, that Vlasov's stages. Camner okay. will go for the stage tomorrow, surely. Like, they're, they're okay. going for the stage. 
Uh, I think Pino does take it. I think he wins on Alp de Wes from the break. I think his climbing level is really, really good. I think a steeper, longer climb suits him compared to Morshan yesterday. Uh, I think he's in good shape. So, yeah, I think I think Pino will be in Polkadot on the second rest day. I guess I didn't give... It's time for predictions, Benji. Who do you think... Um, I'm, I can't remember what we said in the preview. I think uh, regarding tomorrow, I've already said my piece about UAE maybe pacing. I still think the break probably wins. Uh, I like it between Verona and Kamna. I'm yep. going to go with Kamna just because Bora will have numbers in the break and they will work him over. And so I'm going with Kamna. Surprise, surprise. Um, I think Jonas is in yellow on the second rest day and I think he wins this tour. Um, okay. And I think Pino's in poker and Wow's in green. Yes. Okay. I uh, believe that Wowden Green is indeed the case if he doesn't crash. I believe that Pino can indeed win Polka. When it comes to McGaff stage, would it surprise you if Wout goes in the breakaway? Because before the race started, we were like, oh, Wout Fanard could win this from the break. He could, but they will drop him. He can, I don't think okay. he can win from the break. Okay. I, um, I'm like trying to figure out where Ineos could try and do something. Because like... They can't do nothing. Pitcock in the break could do something <laughs> here, but I think he's no too one's close gonna let him in the break to do that. Exactly. So that's not an option either. Um, oh, it's... Yumbo shouldn't send Wout in the break either, because okay. if he gets in the break, the break doesn't work as well. It doesn't get as big a gap because no one wants to work with Wout van yeah. It's better to send Benoit or Laporte or someone like that. Don't send Wout in the break. Yeah. Oh, which other riders could be in the breakaway on a day like that? Fulsang, Lutschenko, Izaguirre, Catanio, good. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's his sort of climb, isn't it? Just got the extension announced. All right, yeah. you're going with him? Yeah, Andreas. Okay, I'm going with Kemner and all those names that we said should be in the break. Uh, otherwise, yeah, who do you think's in yellow on the second rest day? I've... Oh. I had my pick at Pogacar at the start of this race. I'm going to um, I'm gonna say Jonas is going to be in yellow by one second to make the third week interesting. And then Pogacar will strike back in the Pyrenees. That's my take on week three. Could happen. Hopefully it does for the race. Um, but yeah, this is a really big second week coming up. I'm very grateful that we have a fight because at this time last year during the race, um, it was pretty miserable, frankly, <laughs> for what to talk about uh, for the week the week ahead. It was all breakaway, and we're about to have a big, big GC showdown in the Alps. Hopefully, the hot weather doesn't cause any uh, stage cancellations. But now we'll move on to the Giro Donna recap. Ten stages. Uh, if you didn't catch it, we ended our last recap after stage three. I thought Chesina stage would be a Mariana Voss reduced sprint stage. Incorrect. Stage four, Van Vleuten went on the attack, won the stage, and went into the leader's jersey, the Malga Rosa, which she would not relinquish the next day. Reggio Emilia. It was a sprint with like a left-hand bend with 200 meters to go. Yeah. Charlotte Cool was neck and neck with Balsamo. It was kind of like the Cone Bowman Maro Schmidt corner, except at much higher speed. <laughs> and Balsamo kept her position inside 
and then went through the corner ahead of Cool and was able to beat her in the sprint, although Cool came to her front wheel very, very quickly. Mariana Voss on stage six, it was like a punchy Bergamo finish where Van Vluten actually was caught up by a crash and Voss won the reduced sprint. Stage seven, pure climbers finished to Paso de la Maniva, Juliette Labou, proved once again that on like a long extended climb she's very light very skinny uh she won the welter burgos gc by holding on against following on laguna stanaya she won that stage avv again keeping the jersey and going on the attack again on stage eight where she crashed on the descent uh got back up and still won the stage um she locked up going into a right-hand bend, went straight and just tipped it over the front, but she seemed fine. The next day, uh, Kristen Faulkner won from the break, her second stage after winning the prologue. AVV actually came under attack from uh, Cavalli, aided sort of by Longobordini. Cavalli attacked her on the descent. She'd actually dropped uh, Mavi Garcia in previous stages and moved into second on GC. And she actually beat Van Vluten on the stage, although the break won, but it just wasn't very much time. Van Vluten already had, I think, like a minute 50 lead on her in GC. And then the next day was won by Chiara Consoni. It was very reminiscent to me of the last Torino Adriatico sprint where all the big favorites, <laughs> all the yeah. big favorites like Kopecky, Cool, they, and Balsamo, they all kind of got tangled up. And then Consoni and Barbieri just sprung clear, the two Italians. And great to see Valcar win, the Italian team. They all went completely crazy uh, afterwards in their pink kids. Consoni this year has been an absolute weapon. Um, this is her first... Uh, no, she won Bulls Leaves to a stage back in the day. This is her first year of Rosa stage win, her biggest win ever. But in terms of GC, ABV takes it uh, ahead of... Uh, Marta Cavalli on 152. Garcia cracked a bit. She came in third on 556. Longer Borghini, 645. Neve Fisher Black took the Young Riders jersey on 1112. Uh, she was the best SD Works rider. AVV took points because Balsamo didn't do well enough in the final sprint by two points out of Balsamo. Faulkner won KOM, Fisher Black Youth, and FDJ teams. I think AVV just did the business, Benji. There's nothing really. But she she wasn't as dominant as one would think. Like Cavalli, I know it's one fifty two, but it's not five minutes either. Exactly. So Cavalli seems to have been better than I probably anticipated before this race started. She's got a good result out of this. I think when it comes to Unflutten, she did have that crash, but I'd argue that I expected a bigger or like. I think the biggest difference happened on that one stage, the the raid stage where Von Vleuten went early. Was it the chase in our stage? Like, I'm I mean, like, I expected more stages where she was dominant, if that makes sense. And perhaps it's because breakaways won on certain stages, like the Labu one and the Faulkner one. Like, that's a scenario that's possible. And then you start thinking about those riders, like Faulkner, for example, she's won the prologue. She's won that breakaway stage as well, or at least like, it's not like she's solely a breakaway rider. She can climb very good them well. And you start asking yourself, was she chained for Amanda Spratt too long at the start of this race? Should she have been the number one candidate for that team for GC in the first place? And when it comes to Labu, you have a stage where she loses 11 minutes in that chase in a stage, the raid stage for Von Vleuten, and you're you're questioning, is that 
because she can't handle those medium mountain stage chaos stages too well. And if that does not happen in the Tour de France from that chaos stage where everything blows up compared to the pure mountain stage where she might be better, should she go for GC or should she go for KOM? And I I lean more towards GC than KOM because I believe she can top five the Tour de France Femme. It depends on the climbs, but yeah, like difficult for DSM a bounce. I think they're taking Lippert for punchy style finishes. They're taking, are they taking Charlotte Cool when they've got Lorena Vibers? If they have her as lead out, that would be ridiculous. Maybe they won't. They've got Vibers in her sprints train. And then Labu, yeah, should she freelance GC? Will Lippert go for GC? I don't know. It's, Labu's French. I think she should go for GC. I agree with you. Uh, on Movistar, Yelena Erich was pretty good for Van Vleuten. Yeah. Sierra's good. Uh, but again, in the finals, I do think it's... i am be interested to see whether Ludwig, Music and Chapman, if there's ever a possibility that they're in a group with Cavalli and AVV has no teammates. I think that sort of situation is possible. It must be said that the second best GC contender in the world wasn't here, at least in my view, uh, Demi Vollering. So mm-hmm. it wasn't SD Works' best team. Uh, Blanca Vash, a little bit, like she's not been that good this year. I don't know what's, uh, she's young, so who knows? Like you can't expect, she's only 20 years old, but yeah. she came fourth in World's Road Race last year and she's a, a super talent. And she was at the Studio Rosa and, yeah, like not really competitive, like on that Bergamo finish, not competitive. So I don't know what's going on there. But do you think Vollering, like, do you think Vollering can actually mount a fight against AVV, Benji? Because um, I, I have Vollering above Cavalli. I have Vollering oh, slightly above Cavalli as well. My issue with SD Works is not necessarily that I don't think Vollering's not good enough. I don't trust their cooperation with their perhaps multiple leaders, like will Molmon and Volring be able to work together well in the Tour de France farm? Will they ride for each other? Because we've seen occasions where that did not occur too well in the past, in the preseason, for example. So it's Molmon's last year. Will she be willing to drop everything and domestique for Volring in the mountains? I don't know the answer to that. And I lack the confidence in his D-Works teamwork, if that makes sense. And they've got Kopecky here as well, who's arguably their best rider. Like, she won Tour of Flanders, Strada Bianca, second at Roubaix this year. There's some stages in the first three to four stages that really, really suit her, although she came away empty-handed at the Giro Rosa. Um, She actually hasn't won a road race since Vuelta Burgos at the start of May, Um, although still going pretty well but yeah her sprint wasn't as fast as Voss or cool here uh at all she's actually looking more the punchy style than the pure sprints in the pure sprints she couldn't she came fourth twice they were her best results like Voss cool Balsamo much much faster um so yeah that's a difficult balance Benji I don't actually I kind of agree with you I don't really hold out much hope for ST works uh I think the best chance like ABV is the prohibitive favorite for GC the Twitter yeah. France Femme of Egg Swift. Um, this race doesn't change that. If she crashed out on that crash and had a mechanical and lost three minutes, wouldn't change my opinion on that. It does reinforce, as we saw in Olympics road race, that 
she's really her own worst enemy. If she pushes a descent too hard and crashes, that's the single biggest chance of her losing GC. Nothing else. Um, because, like, you can try tactics in one-day races, which SD Works have done, where you you won to her, that's fine. Um, that doesn't work as well in GC because, yeah, you might win the sprint, but you never, you're not gapping her. She'll just ride tempo behind you, and on some stage she'll eventually get you. So, yeah. I um I think still think she's the prohibitive favorite for GC. Voss is looking really really good. I think she I don't know. I think Voss might be able to take the the first stage, Benji. I'm not sure how technical it is. Probably not that technical, but her lead out was looking pretty good. Um I don't know, but then Vibes just when she does race just yeah. makes everyone look so slow. <laughs> <laughs> Vibes wins in uh, first stage or Balsamo, it's one of the two. I don't know. It's um Balsamo's the closest. Balsamo's literally the only sprinter I see beating Wibis. If Wibis stays on the bike. Yeah. She's the only one that has beaten her um, yep. in like the last year and a half, unless Vibis has crashed. So I think I would say about the Giro Donna, it had better coverage this year. I, I hear rumors that RCS are sniffing around the race, wanting to have their own competitor to the Tour de France Femme of Swift, trying to get their act together because as you despite sharing this, a similar name, RCS, who own the Giro d'Italia, do not own the Giro Donna. It's actually owned by a different uh, company, and coverage has been a bit patchy, uh, but it's the you know the historical longest race. that It's obviously been going longer than the Tour de France firm, which hasn't started yet. I would say competing against the first week of the Tour de France is a battle you are never going to win for exposure. We saw that with ourselves this week. Like, yeah. I mean, we try our best, but at the end of the day, the, the Tour de France men's race first week literally pays, well, the Tour de France pays the bills for the teams, for all the media. Like, it is the biggest show in town and going against that. I know the stages finish earlier in the day. It is very, very difficult, and I wonder if they need to wiggle with the calendar because Benji there's um that week after Swiss why not have it there and then there's a bit of a gap between this race like a normal gap between this race and Tour de France Femme of Swift rather than two weeks I would have this race between Swiss and the start of the men's tour yeah I don't like it being here in general like I feel like it's so close to the Tour de France Femme as well in general so that it feels less special to have ground tours when all of them are like packed in one month two weeks apart exactly <laughs> it's, it's too close for me personally and like you said it's during the first week of the tour de france arguably one of the busiest weeks of our our year and obviously i shouldn't be the reason that the race is being moved but this is not just us this is the industry the industry is bloody busy in the first week of the tour de france the entire pro cycling industry and i I swear I had to catch up to the Girodon stages sometimes at 1 a.m. at night. So it's it's crazy to have this during the biggest race in the year. As in the same way that I would not be watching a Tour de Polonia or even I don't know, like We're not covering Tour de Polonia this year because the Tour de France Femme of X Swift is taking priority. The Tour de France Femme of Exwift finishes, it tacks on another week to this coverage, and then Polonia starts straight after, and we, we've we decided we're not doing it. Like, 
it's just at a point in the calendar where everyone needs a break from cycling. We need a break, and so we're not doing it. Um, it's unfortunate for the race, but it is what it is. And so, yeah, I think regardless of everyone's best intentions, the media has limited bandwidth or resources and yeah there's expectations on maximizing coverage during the tour that being said um i do think the race seemed to be well the coverage was better like when i wanted to catch up on replay i still had to um i could catch up on gcn racing or geez um and so it's moving in the right direction whether rcs taking over it if that does indeed happen if those rumors were even true would that be better for the race not sure um, but I do think they're probably going to want, try and move it in the calendar. Um, but otherwise, Consoni Benji, the last thought from a race perspective, she won Dwarz Dual uh, Vlaanderen this year, so I shouldn't have said she didn't win a World Tour race. I know it's not World Tour, but it was a pretty good level win. She's she's the next Balsamo, right? Valkar rider, 23, winning well. She's got a contract at Valkar next year. What team, if any, if she wants to move up, what team needs a sprinter like that? Because Trek is stock full. Is it, do SD Works need a pure sprinter? Because I she's I reckon with the lead out, is she quicker than Kopecky? I think she's quicker than Kopecky with a, with a lead out. I think Kopecky has never been the pure sprinter. So that's how I see Konsani being better. But Leaving after 2023, Jesus, you're, you're testing my knowledge of which contracts end in the next two years in, in women's cycling, and that's basically 90% of the contracts in women's cycling. So every single team could need a sprinter at that point. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to check. I generally can't tell you yet. I don't know what Voss plans are. Her contract at Yumbo ends at the end of 23. She's, I don't know what her plans are. Um, but yeah, like someone will be going hard for Chiara Consoni at the end of 2023. Has yes. Norsgaard, but Van Vleuten's Norsgaard. leaving there, so they're going to be... Not a, she's strength. like Kopecky Light, right? She, yep. She's, yeah. Kopecky Light. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Consoni's just one to watch for. She'll be, like, maybe the next Balsamo. I mean, that's a high threshold the world champion, but yeah, she's yeah. really, really, really good. Uh, so watch out for her in the future. But that was our rest day recap. We hope it was helpful for you. Kristen Faulkner, she came to cycling late. She's won two stages of the Giro Rosa. The women's bike exchange team is absolutely flying right now. Hopefully that she does the same when they win more stages of the Tour de France Femme Vic Swift. Uh, but yeah, that's all from us. Stay tuned for our Stage 10 recap of the men's tour tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 